Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com with the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ibera Star Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. And I hope that you do uh, you do accomplish all those resolutions you set before yourself because you got it. You got this year. It's a new year. It's a new you. Say bye to your old boo. You know what I'm saying? Wait, what was that? You said say. You didn't say. You said say bye to your old boo. Yeah, yeah. No people. I mean, hang on. If your old boo has been down for the count all these years. <laughs> It's like now, it's like now, new me, you know, that person that stuck around with me during my bad times, I'm getting rid of them. That doesn't make sense. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I need to find someone else. I want to find someone that only likes the new shiny me, not the person that was down before I made it. Um, Welcome to Nerdificent. We are strolling down memory lane again this week with some of our favorite moments from the podcast from this past year. Um, Ify, does anything jump out at the top of your head? Like of, of favorite moments? <laughs> no, just your life. <laughs> oh, just just my life? Uh, no, yes, favorite moments. I was about to give you something on my life. Yeah, no, I, there's been tons of favorite moments. I think, like I said on Twitter, you know, Hector detailing the Ooh, MCU. Hector's so with good. Going down Doctor Who and hearing those, like, the, like hearing Riley's great story about how Doctor Who inspires her and uh, even, you know, hanging with uh, old Cannon and Chris, you know, that was a good time. And like yes. a lot of y'all, a lot of the nerd fam really appreciated us touching on the LGBTQ plus community in the nerd community. And, uh, you know, that's that's why we did it. We want you to feel seen. Yeah, you know, I was really surprised that Lucy Tomlin Brenner, who did uh, our Halloween episode, was able to do Halloween. Oh, yeah. There are just so many of them. And she did it so well in a way that was entertaining that it wasn't just like, you know, reading off a Wikipedia or something. Like she was, she, yeah, I was surprised that she was able to do that. And I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. And I we got tons of more fun like that coming in 2019. But for right now, here are some of our favorite clips. 
Ify, I have something I need to say, though. We are, I don't know if you all know this, a part of How Stuff Works comedy. Yeah. We are two comedians, and we're not going to just make this an educational, boring podcast. If you want that, go somewhere else. The reason why Ify and I got picked up and got hired and were sent some monies mm-hmm. uh, from How Stuff Works to be on this network is because our previous podcast where we had a really good chemistry together. So we like sharing our experiences. If you want someone to go over minute details of a nerdy thing, this is not the podcast for you. Also, yeah, that it feels like you, some people just want the boring part about nerd stuff. I think the fun, and and I know some people just took their headphones and like, huh. <gasps> Yeah, I think the fun in nerddom and the information from nerddom is people's reactions, which is why we have tons of guests who are passionate about the source material we're talking about, even if we may not be as well-versed in it. That way we have at least one person in the seats, jazzed up, and also we get to turn around and let them tell us about their experience and get to share that with y'all. This isn't going to be... You know, I'm a like we'll we'll give you the rundown on the basics, but we're not we're not gonna like be like pop quiz. Here's all the stuff because in episode thirty six of well, yeah, because I, I feel s- like if we did a podcast about that, people would only use it for evil. No one would use it for good. <laughs> people would only use it to they gatekeep and yeah. like argue mm-hmm. with us. Yeah, I do want to say though, our most listened to episode still is our MCU episode with Hector Navarro, where Dan and I were talking about this earlier, where we did go on tangents. We talked about what we loved about the films and what we didn't. It wasn't just like here's a factual, and then Thor showed up, and then this and that. Like we gave you the main highlights of what you needed to know from each film but then we discussed and debated about them and i think that and also laughed a lot and i think that is what makes this podcast great i don't know i think you guys should be ashamed of yourselves for having emotional (laughs) reactions to things that you love i absolutely should be ashamed of yourself i really like our comic con episode where i talked about how i got in by pretending to be with party boy from jackass and like those are the behind the things (laughs) that you need to know about yeah. and how iffy you got in trouble for like I don't know uh, you you were like sexting with a girl on AOL Messenger oh uh, yeah something. when the FBI came to my house for uh, like those are cyber. interesting fun Whoa. facts yeah. <laughs> to know in nerd culture so speaking of which we are covering with Kyle here today who is an expert in Avatar The Last Airbender you actually have it tattooed on your body I do I have the symbol of the oh, air nomads tattooed on my body with the words let go because air is the element of freedom how many people confuse that for a frozen tattoo um, most people confuse it for either 666 <laughs> uh, no Love joke it. <laughs> or, the, or they think it's a Celtic symbol okay. um, can I see yeah. wait well, I want to see it again yeah it's so great because I, oh, I see how it could be frozen um yeah, I also have my my franch my fandom tattooed Aww. above my wrist too. I love it. Nice. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I got the the biggest meaning. I was trying to think of a non curse word way to describe this character. One of his battle cries, Imperious Rex, and we all got it. Oh, in pretty okay. close. That's so proximity. Cool. Yeah. yeah, Imperious Rex, because I wanted a nerd tattoo that would be subtle mm-hmm. uh, and cool. Also, I like it being a reference that not every nerd gets straight up. <laughs> Just speaking of gatekeeping, but not even like to make people feel bad about yeah. it, but like one of those like. If you know, you know, because I'm a big Marvel guy, really love uh, just the uh, whole Illuminati behind it, which. Oh, yeah. Sorry if you don't know by now. uh, Imperius Rex is Namor the Submariner's battle cry. That's what he yells when he goes into battle. And it's Latin for powerful king. 
It's uh, it's kind of like if you've descended or ascended, depending on your point of view, to like a level of nerddom. You know, yeah. like you, you'll know, and then it's like, okay, cool, you're on my level. Yeah, he's he, <laughs> but it, for all intents and purposes, he's the worst. And people were looking at me when I had this tattoo because everyone knows I'm a huge Black Panther fan. But there was a whole arc where him and T'Challa oh, yeah. were at odds, and they're like, "How do you feel about this?" I was like, <laughs> Conflicted. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I understand. I'm an Emma Frost fan from Marvel, Ooh, so I, okay. I understand conflicting yeah. feelings. You know, it's only about three writers got her right, so I understand <laughs> your 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 feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, um, before we totally dive into the timeline of of Avatar: The Last Airbender, what was your first introduction to it? How did you first? I mean, were, did you watch it when it first came out on Nickelodeon? Uh, I did not watch it when it first came out on Nickelodeon because I was in high school and uh, I wasn't. I I was too cool to watch it. But then a friend of mine, when I got into college. Uh, was like, you need to watch the show. You absolutely need to watch it. And it had just ended. Uh, and so I got uh, a hard drive with the three seasons uh, of The Last Airbender. And I just ran through it. And it became – I watched it at such a, a perfect moment in my life because so many of the lessons just kind of like, I don't know, emboldened me and made me a better person in a lot of ways and um, especially helped me like – come into my own as like a queer person. So like, I don't know, just a lot of ways it really helped me out. It was the best. Yeah, I also didn't watch it in high school because I don't know. So I was looking at the timeline. It, it uh, first aired February 21st, 2005. And that's when it premiered. And I was in my junior year of high school. Same thing, like the area that I lived in, it wasn't really cool to watch quote unquote cartoons yeah. and I was still kind of secretly watching Dragon Ball Z but that was something that I started when I was 10 yeah. so a little bit different but Dragon Ball Z can span a lot of age ranges I feel like true you true. Know? but it was still weird for yeah. me to watch it as a teenage girl for where sure. I was and then I was looking because Legend of Korra then came out in 2012 and I was like oh I was getting married then <laughs> and then I was getting divorced so like I actually didn't really grow up I didn't really watch this series at all like I still haven't really picked it up and that's why I'm really we brought on Kyle to kind of one because you're a huge expert and love it but also to kind of fill in the gaps for me Um, you don't need to write me (laughs) anybody I know that I need to watch it along with a billion other things that I haven't had time to watch but I'm just saying those times in my life were times when I wasn't when I was married, I would have to secretly like record anime that I wanted to watch. It was so uh, weird. My husband kind of made me feel weird for being an adult that watched cartoons. It's just a reminder. And again, I'm saying I know it's not cartoons, but like that's what people call it. And just a reminder to me that there's still so many areas like that yeah. where we're really lucky to be in an area. And I think in like part of nerd culture where it's cool or or acceptable. But, like, there's still so many areas and probably people listening where, like, they can't even openly talk about it with their coworkers because they're seen as weird. Like, if you don't yeah. have children, especially, yeah. too. I think it's – it's uh, if I could go back in time and tell myself in high school, like, you know, you need to watch this show because it is a kid show. It is on Nickelodeon. But it – was written in such a way, because originally it wasn't necessarily intended to be a kid show, um, but they randomly got a, a few chances at Nickelodeon and they kind of turned it into a kid show. But the themes and the stories, so much of it is so dark. Like they tell such an adult story. And by the third season, it's like, oh no, like straight up, like you can bloodbend people. Like it's, it's, Messed up. Can can we curse on here? Uh, no, but we, okay, cool. if you do, but we'll I'll say messed it. up. That's cool. <laughs> messed up. It is some messed up stuff. There we go. <laughs> so wait, what is blood bending? So waterbenders, um, when they are during a full moon, changes a little bit in Legend of Korra, but in The Last Airbender, waterbenders on a full moon can bend the water in your body and basically turn you into a puppet, which is horrifying. And it also looks extremely painful. And it's like, 
once once it gets to that level, it's like, oh yeah, you're not playing around. Like that's that's really messed up. Yeah. Theoretically, they could pull the blood out of your body if they wanted to. Oh man, yeah, no, it it's so funny because looking at this timeline, I was, everything clicks back. Yeah, so it dropped February 21st, 2005, which uh, was coming on my birthday in my junior year of high school. <laughs> Born February I love, 26th. Yes, you bring this up like as many times as you can. Uh, you know. I love it. Junior year of high school. I love school, you. Deep in my weeb phase. You know, I'm watching Cowboy Bebop, recording <laughs> Witch Hunter Robin on VHS. Got the Naruto DVDs given to me at this point. So, yeah, no, I looked down on Avatar heavy. Like, heavy. <laughs> Just the worst type mm-hmm. of... And that's why it's so funny when people gatekeep. Because when you when you do that gatekeeping stuff, you are only hurting yourself. Because you do... Especially when you do, like, elitist things like that. Like, Avatar is a beautiful show. I... I I've popped in and watched episodes uh, kind of, I think, like during season two and three mm-hmm. because it kind of still, it gained traction at my school and people kind of were talking about it. And so like I peeped in and then I graduated and people were openly t- So I kind of, but I never gave it the honest full watch. Um, and that's, and it was all because of stuff like that. I think another, I've, 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 I was that type of person. It's a, it's definitely a personality type where if something is popping, you want to find a reason not to like it. I did oh, that yeah. with MF Doom, and that's mm-hmm. one of my that's that it was with MF Doom that I told myself I would never do it again because everyone loved MF Doom. Like I think around same time, junior senior year of high school, and I was so like, he's overrated for no reason. Like I did not even know what MF Doom song, but because everyone was so into him. I had to be the guy who was not into him. So then he first did a feature on November has come with the gorillas. And that's when I heard it and I, your boy loved the rap, but of course I've already set up this persona that I hate MF Doom. So it's so much so that people were like, this is a dumb thing that if he's doing, but okay. And like, I was like, yeah, no, but I was like, okay, I'll give it to you guys. His verse on November has come was great. Obviously, at this this point, that's the only MF Doom song I've heard. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man. And then it wasn't until, like, I graduated high school and I was like, let me just check this out because I really n- never have. And I listened to Mm Food, which came out in 2006. And it was made for people like me. It was literally a rapper that was made for me. He was – he MF Doom, he was supposed to be Dr. Doom. He intercut, like, old – Fantastic Four clips into his raps, like stuff that would blow my mind. I didn't know about, didn't even listen to because of this random need to be superior in my, in, I was going to say nerddom, but it had nothing to just to be cool because I have to go against the grain. Mm-hmm. So for me, like on its most simple form, Doctor Who is a serialized sci-fi series about a time traveling alien who travels space and time in a spaceship that looks like a time machine and a spaceship that looks like a police box from the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And that and basically travels around usually with a companion once in a while alone, but very rarely because it shouldn't travel alone, finding people like kind of stumbling upon people who are in trouble and helping them. And okay. that's basically the premise of the show. So it's not unlike how like the premise of Star Trek is like, Hey, we have a thing that's happening in this area of space. Let's go check it out and see what's going on. That's basically what Doctor Who is. Like they're often like the it's kind of quirky and at the TARDIS, which is the ship that they that they fly around in, which stands for time and relative dimension in space. 
like they'll be like, oh, we're gonna go to this cool vacation planet, and then they show up inside a planet instead, and like there's like trouble a brewing, and they'll kind of figure out what's going on and then stop it. Are they often here on Earth, or are they yes. often in other? Yes. Okay, both. Yes. Equally, would you say? Um, it, it goes from season to season. Okay. It, it can be, some seasons are really Earth-heavy. We've actually had a pretty Earth-heavy several years. Okay. But other seasons, they almost never come to Earth. So Interesting. this most recent season- But they always look human. For the most part, there are aliens that are alien aliens. But okay. for the most part- The doctor's always The doctor human. looks, well, humans look time lords. Sorry, that's a look quote from the show. Uh <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of humanoid races on the show. Wait, can you say that quote again? The, oh, so that, there's an episode. There's actually, actually a quote from the show. Someone says, "Well, you look human." He goes, "No, you look Time Lord." Oh yeah. So okay. there so are a lot of Time Lords look what yeah. we perceive to be a yeah. human. Time form. Lords basically okay. look like humans, but they have two hearts, and that's okay. like the difference. That's the big difference between them. And they also can regenerate and have like longer. And they also can. They've also I have mastered so many time questions. travel. I'm really yeah. glad that. So I'm just gonna ask some questions. Sure. Um, and I'm gonna let you continue. So. Do they choose what they look like when they regenerate? Some can, not all can. Okay. Um, some people have random, some Time Lords have random regenerations. Others can choose it. Uh, it's not super dug into in the plot. That's kind of one of those things where it's just like, in one episode, the writers thought it was funny to have this woman change her appearance a bunch. So I guess some Time Lords can choose. The show is so fast and loose with canon that okay. it's like really fun to watch fans then like scramble to try to like go no this, this is what this means in because basically what happened is there was one episode in the 70s where a character named romana who was the doctor's companion but she was also a time lord time lady they replaced the actress in the second season that they had her so they had her regenerate into this other actress and so they just had like a jokey scene the first episode with her where romana kept walking in with different forms until she like solidified the one oh, she was going to take okay and then travel with the doctor and it was lala ward who was amazing so that's like so then like when you if you play the doctor who role-playing game and you uh -huh. play like if you're playing as a time lord you can choose like customized regeneration as one of your options whereas oh, if you okay. play the doctor you have like you can't choose your regeneration like the doctor can't like consciously choose his or her regeneration Got it kind of happens at random randomized generation so there's two questions I yes have. so i remember there was a limit on how many regenerations that the sure doctor was. has uh is have we reached that point? it's been reset because <laughs> the thing is uh the thing with that something like that and that's that is a thing that was written into the show back in the like 70s mm -hmm. and when they first started like fleshing out time lord culture because when the show first started in 63 with william hartnell the first doctor the phrases that i'm using time lord regeneration two hearts gallifrey none of that was part of the show yet that was all doctor was just a weird alien and he and his granddaughter were traveling the universe in this police box that like tardis has now become like on the show the term people use for these ships but in that episode like the granddaughter just called her ship the TARDIS because of the, the initials. That wasn't like the official title for it, but it's just been retconned over time. They're like, ah, they're all called TARDISes. Yeah. So the original one was like 13 regenerations. And then what happened was at the end, when Matt Smith became Peter Capaldi, there was, they, they had squeezed in an extra regeneration when they did the 50th anniversary special. Mm -hmm. So there was a regeneration pro between Paul McGann, who was the doctor who, the actor who played the doctor in the 1990s TV movie, who was the eighth doctor and Christopher Eccleston, who was the ninth doctor, they squeezed in John Hurt as what we call the war doctor. And the reason for that is because Eccleston didn't come back for the 50th anniversary special. 
So they replaced, so since he wouldn't come back for it, they wrote in this new version of a doctor to kind of fulfill his role. Okay. So the idea is like, basically when the show came back in 2005, when it kind of like had this soft reboot where it still had the old continuity, but it was kind of a new format show. Now it went from being a serialized 22 minute episode show to being uh, an hour each week and each hour is like a pretty self-contained story. They introduced this concept of there had been this awful genocidal war in between when the show ended and when it came back that they called the time war and at the end of that time war the doctor it was between the doctor's race the time lords and their greatest enemy the daleks and the end of the time war was uh, at that point was written to be that the doctor did something that was called the moment he unleashed a weapon called the moment that destroyed both races and he was the only survivor of the war and that's why Eccleston's doctor is so torn and tormented because he has this guilt of being the destructor of his own race on another race as well, which is very against what normally the creed of a doctor is, which is like very anti-genocidal. Yeah. And yeah. Like there's an episode in Classic Who called Genesis of the Daleks where the Time Lords send the doctor, which is Tom Baker's doctor, back in time to the Daleks' homeworld to try to prevent them from ever being created in the first place. And he ends up not doing it because he doesn't feel like he morally has the right to to deny another species the chance to exist. And it's a really interesting, fascinating episode. And so that was kind of the the crux of the new show was the Doctor had, like, broken his own promise. And that's why they brought in John Hurt. Like, he was, like, he doesn't even refer to himself as the doctor. He's the one who failed to be the doctor. And then that's why he's, the other ones are all feeling guilty from then on. So that was one regeneration that was squeezed in. And also, you may remember uh, during David Tennant's run, there's an episode where he starts to regenerate and then like sends his energy out of him into a hand and it turns into a new doctor. Mm-hmm. So that was like counted as regeneration as well. And so basically what happened was when Matt Smith was at the end of his run, he said, like, I've used my regenerations. I'm dying. When I die, I'm dead. And then mm. through plot thing that I won't spoil if people haven't already heard it, they like reset his regenerations. And so Peter Capaldi was the first doctor of this new cycle. And they've kind of now gone like, we don't know how many he has because they don't. I think I think when they made 13 as the number, that was back when the show had no idea they would last yeah. And come back after right. a break. So it was easy to toss out like a number that seems super like when you're on like when you're on the fourth doctor, it's easy to go, yeah, 13 regenerations, we'll see whatever. Now that we're on, on the, the 13th, 13th doctor, doctor, it's like yeah. we don't want to say a set yeah. number because we might hit 26 <laughs> at some point because we're kind of going through these people every three years or so. so. Yeah, that's so true. Oh, yeah. Man, so... I wanted to go through some of these facts about when it yeah. first premiered. So... I was all over the map there. Sorry. Yeah, well, no, 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 no. It was... I want to stop you because I want you to go through those facts after these messages. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric. Cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. 
Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. And we are back. I wanted to touch on the CW scene. Their superhero shows, well, several of their shows, but definitely their superhero shows seem to be really taking initiative as far as including more queer characters. I know there's Thunder in Black Lightning. There's Curtis Holt on Arrow. There's The Flash's Captain Singh. There's Alex Danvers in Supergirl. Sarah Lance in Legends of Tomorrow. Ava Sharp in Legends of Tomorrow. Now we have Ruby Rose as Batwoman. I don't know if you saw that that was announced. Yeah, very that's exciting. very exciting. I think she'll be and awesome. And a main character, too. You know, yeah, you know, like a huge Batwoman. Batwoman. <laughs> who's you know, one of the most fascinating characters. And, you know, if it was a few years ago and uh, you told me that they would announce Ruby Rose as Batwoman and she would be getting tons of hate. I'd be like, oh, is it because it's a lesbian character? No, because nerds are bad. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and if, if they think you don't, because you know, all nerds are the perfect casting director, all these great fan casting picks that we see. By the way, that's what's so funny, is every time fans cast something, it's always trash, or the budget would be insane, or that person would not dedicate, like, it's like, get out of here. like. I, well, they were upset with was it Heath Ledger when he was originally cast yes, as the Joker? Yes, that's so true. Fantastic. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And there's also uh, isn't Voltron have uh yes they, LGBT yeah. characters? Yeah. They just confirmed it at Comic Con too. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, thinking of even uh, video games because I forgot this reference. Uh, Tracer from Overwatch, the mm-hmm. one of the main faces of Overwatch is oh, yeah. a lesbian. So 
Yeah, Solo I changing. would be remiss if I didn't mention Steven Universe, which is yeah. Yeah. brilliant, beautiful, such a positive, bright. I mean, even they though, if he, even their fans are bad, yeah. Yeah. bad. You yeah. want to like hit? I want to like roll up a newspaper slash like spray them. But I also think it's the issue. I mean, Canon sometimes deals with this working at PlayStation. There is sometimes a huge amount. It seems like it's a large number of people on Twitter, but it's because it it makes people's voices sound bigger than it actually is. And a lot of times the Internet will freak out about something. It doesn't necessarily reflect the majority. It doesn't reflect sales. It doesn't reflect the majority of a fan base. It doesn't really reflect anything except for Internet, you know, Twitter hype, which sometimes means absolutely nothing. It's it's bizarre. Yeah, no, that's that's true. I know that you're good friends with Kelly Marie Tran and she experienced like so much hate that it she got off social media. But the thing is, is that when I was at Comic-Con, there were so many people dressed like Rose Tico that it was just I mean, it flooded like people just love her so much. But it's hard when like all you're seeing as is a small the, minority of Star very Wars, very loud, fans. obsessive mm-hmm. harassment. Yeah. yeah, and the majority of Star Wars fans are super lovely, nice people. I, I think a lot of it has to do with two with people will have multiple accounts that they'll log into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes if you 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 can have represent so many different people on Twitter that it it allows to it for a falsehood of what actually is. But it's also I mean it's why you know Kelly's not on you know Instagram. Yeah. yeah. It's because sometimes you don't need to read everything, all the negativity. Yeah. And also, it's one thing that's important to know. It may seem like when you get in all the notifications and all the people in your mentions, you know, it may seem like, damn, this is a huge amount of people who think this. But only 7% of Americans are using Twitter. That's 7%. Wow. Oh, my gosh. 7% of Americans are using Twitter. That's a lot of fake accounts. That's a lot of fake accounts. (laughs) And that's a lot of like, that's not a lot of people. So, so that, and, and you know what it is? I find that to be true because whenever something big happens on Twitter and you do kind of step out to the real world and you're like, have you heard of this? And someone hasn't, you're like, how? But like, when you see a number like that, 7%, you're like, I guess, I guess not, (laughs) you know, I guess, I guess it isn't, uh, as, as big, a big a world as we think it is. It just feels that way. It is Mm -hmm. people from other countries and smaller areas as well. I was also going to say, do, uh, talking on the thing of online harassment. I mean, it's something that Canon has had to deal with working with PlayStation Mm -hmm. and and everything. I don't know if you can talk about that at all. You get like death threats from LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. They used to be really common. So back when the PlayStation Network was a little bit less reliable than it is now, anytime we'd have an outage, it, it's totally common for people that have PlayStation in their LinkedIn profile to get death threats in your inbox. Wow. It's fairly common. And it's 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 not it, – it's endemic to the whole gaming industry. Like I have female friends that work at studios, and a lot of them won't even put what the name of the studio they're working at because – the game will get released and then someone will be like, well, this level, this thing was misdesigned. So I'll go and find a female graphic artist and just start sending her death threats and hate mail. And then everyone just bandwagons. And I remember that was a huge thing that happened with, uh, I believe mass effect Mm -hmm. where they were blaming this one woman for ruining the game. And someone Mm -hmm. had to come in and be like, well, she is, didn't even have that huge a part of it. There was actually these men, but you guys are targeting her. And, And it is, Interesting. And, you know, does PlayStation do anything to protect y'all? Like, can you report these people and, you know, 
get their accounts yanked or anything? I mean, it, it depends on the social media you're using. I mean, LinkedIn has a pretty robust reporting system for offensive material, so mm-hmm. it's not so bad. But That's eventually, so insane. It, LinkedIn is like the not the thing that you should be doing. Like LinkedIn, you can see where they work and uh-huh. who that person is. Uh-huh. Yeah. That doesn't like Twitter. I understand because you're like a random anime avatar. You're but like yeah. LinkedIn, the fact that someone is oh man. I mean, but the craziest thing is you would think that Twitter would have a more robust reporting system than mm-hmm. LinkedIn because LinkedIn, at least you're a level of professionals where Twitter should be doing everything it can. But we're learning more and more every <laughs> day. I'm, yeah. I'm, and I'm gonna just leave it at that. And you know, I'm just leave it at that yeah i think um one thing and this probably may sound crass but you just sort of learn to rise above it and ignore it yeah because it, it used to really bother me and then i just started saying you know none of this matters like <laughs> I, they're not gonna do anything yeah like, these these people are hiding behind a keyboard and all the people that i run into like I, I have a when we launched the ps4 everyone got jackets that said ps4 launch team and i would just sometimes wear that out not thinking and i would have people come up in grocery stores and in malls and just randomly and they'd be like Oh my God, you worked on the PS4? Can I shake your hand? And they just like, the fans are like the best part, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. I think it's important to remember the good experiences more than the bad ones because if we let the bad ones kind of occupy our mind space, then everything's going to just feel It's awful. so difficult. I feel like for me, I look at it as a glass of water with the amount of sexual harassment that I deal with. And mm-hmm. I send it, Chris, I feel like you have been such a positive. I just want to take this moment. You're just smiling. You and Ify have seen so much of the the harassment that I've dealt with trying to be in this space. And I just you both are very supportive men in my life. But I wanted to say I, I look at it as like a glass of water and it fills up, fills up, fills up, fills up. And then eventually I can't take it anymore and it overflows. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of spiral from the harassment and I might take a break. I might step back. And, and it sucks. I agree because I want to read all my comments. I want to answer mm-hmm. the messages. Yep. But that means I have to see all the really bad ones. Yep. And it's very hard mentally to handle that. I think the scary thing is how Twitter is like the new KKK hood. (laughs) I mean, I do mean that, though, because I mean, people, it's so crazy how people who are hateful, spiteful individuals, they do it in a way where they can still go to their day jobs. Like you must Mm -hmm. morally know deep down inside that you're doing something wrong and hateful if you're acting that way. But I think you're right. It's a lot of people who are on the Internet. And I think a biggest way that I've used to combat hatred is with our group meeting nerds who are positive uh whether it's queer people of color or just people who are loving you know people who are doing something for the better good whatever your group is it's finding people in person to talk to Mm -hmm. because i think the best way to combat the internet hate is making a presence outside in person is the best way to combat that Mm -hmm. i was just gonna add and i want to get too political but you know a big part of the trump election for me, was processing how kind of awful it made me feel and how terrible I thought everything was. And what I eventually decided after kind of coming out of that fog was that, you know, I can't change anyone's mind. I can't fight the hate directly. But what I can do is I can spend my time, my energy, and my money on helping the people in my community and then building that up. And that's kind of what made me get into activism. It's why I volunteer at the center. That's why the LA Gaming Society is starting to have fundraisers for the queer youth of Los Angeles so that we can get people, you know, onto a better track so that they're not homeless or not alone or they don't feel so depressed all the time by all this negativity. And I can say that by putting my focus towards those kinds of things, my outlook has improved exponentially. Even though the news on a fairly consistent basis is is crazy, 
like having a a positive outlet where I can take kind of that nervous negative energy and work it into something has made a world difference for me. Well, I mean, you saw like you see negative homophobic like Kotaku would have like a negative, you know, this homophobic thing happened today. They didn't write about like our E3 party, how Mm -hmm. we raised so much money for the we I think we raised I don't even know how many like five. It was over five thousand over five thousand dollars just for video games for LGBT, you know, youth to play at the center um, so that they can have an outlet, which is amazingly enough, by the way, video games is such a healthy outlet that brings people together. And and then seeing people being brought together who are queer nerds who are 30 to 40 years old, you know, who never had that outlet and in an adult space. I think there are positive things that are happening by us focusing on our community. I'm hoping that maybe the the news can eventually pick up on some of those mm-hmm. positive yeah. well, articles. To quote nice. a great movie by the name of Nightcrawler, if it bleeds, <laughs> it leads, you know, and that's mm-hmm. the that's what the news is in the business of the, the the moment the news became the business it's less about you know sharing the news and more so what can we do that's going to you know activate people and get a reaction out of them and get them sharing our stuff so yeah it, it does i find that in multiple communities and multiple things throughout the news scope everything positive kind of gets swept under the rug because they'd rather get someone mad who's going to retweet it and then say something snarky than someone's going to add their snark. Me, usually I'm involved in that chain <laughs> of snark and RT. But yeah, so it, it is, and I think that is a great advice to anyone in their communities is if you are feeling hopeless, are feeling like, how do I make a change? Everyone thinks that, you know, I find that a lot of people believe that you need a million dollars to make meaningful change. And that's just not the case. You know, meaningful change could just be as simple as mentoring, you know, someone who is, you know, just like you or someone who you think needs it. Ify, did you want to go over some of your favorite games? Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm, we're just going to do a quick uh, dash <laughs> do it. Oh, through the games because uh, there are spin. so many. And I just uh. want to talk about the like huge influential ones uh, instead of just going through all of them that have spanned from 1991 to this very year. Uh, so you had uh, you know Sonic's 1 and 2. 2 was the game. I mm. feel yeah, like yeah, it was yeah. the mm-hmm. staple game. The spin dash, mm-hmm. the one everyone played. Mm-hmm. And then 3 took it up a notch by entry introducing knuckles because really that's a third character in this franchise that yep. you now get to play yep. you're able to play as uh tails or miles if you want to be danny mm. uh when you, with the second <laughs> player and they would be able to run besides you mm-hmm. so that was like the two-player aspect i think the next big game in the series uh, actually came after sonic and knuckles i didn't realize these were back to back i always felt there was so much time between them and there was a sonic and uh sonic the hedgehog 3 dropped in 1994 four years later we get sonic adventure and sonic adventure came out for the dreamcast and it was a moment because because the dreamcast was was hot at the time it was the reason people yeah it was the reason people bought dreamcast and then it introduced that like Dreamcast used to have this, uh, I forget the name of it, but it was like a Tamagotchi yeah, yeah. that you would put in and you would put the, um, what is it, the chows, mm-hmm. the chows mm-hmm. from the game and you'd be able to take care of it 
outside of it. So yeah. basically, all this like all the kids going crazy over the Pokemon, uh, the Pokeball Plus that you get to. It was like we've been on that yep. since yep, yep, yep. <laughs> since the we're Dreamcast. Old school. Yeah, yeah, we're sounding like old crotchety <laughs> yeah, yeah. people back in two thousand. So there were great games after that because you had um, Sonic 06. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was that <laughs> Send was when people all your emails. Yeah. To... Oh man. Well, we're I'm not. <laughs> Sorry, gonna... I'm getting you out of, out of whack. Here. No, no. You're you're right because you're mentioning the whole thing because Sonic fans, uh, which. Uh, I use the term loosely because this isn't very fan, a fan-centric way to act. Oftentimes, we'll say that Sonic Adventure or Sonic Adventure 2 was the last good game. Or whatever Sonic they like was the last, was the last good, good. Yep, game. yep, yep, yep. But one thing everyone kind of did agree with was uh, Sonic, which one was it? Yes, Sonic Rush for the DS, which was not on this list, which makes me smarter than the internet. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> Sonic Rush was super fun. Really? And in it, you uh, you played as Sonic, and also your your counterpart was, uh, what was her name? Blaze the Cat. Blaze the Cat. And it was a very fast-paced, mm-hmm. fun game. It was, and everyone agreed, because, you know, I hate when I really like a game and everyone's like, no, you shouldn't like you it. Shouldn't it's like bad. That. Luckily, that didn't happen with this game. Everyone liked it. It had a fun story. It looked great. It was such a blast. Uh, Sonic Rush. Uh, but then Was I, Knuckles in that? I mean, how could you no. enjoy that if your favorite character was Okay, Sonic, in I that. like you. I guess, <laughs> I guess you're kind of cool. I guess. <laughs> I think it was super cool that you got that you got to play Sonic in Super Smash Brothers. Yeah. Oh, That's man. That's so cool. Yes. Yeah, it, it, again, like getting to be a part of something like this, like those things just sort of like kind of fall into your lap. It's, right. You know what I mean? It's like, it, yeah. it, it's one of the things that kind of, and that's like a crossover. Absolutely. Same thing yeah. with, uh, same thing with, with, with you know, Wreck-It with Ralph. Ralph. Yeah. All of a sudden it was like somebody called up and they're like, yeah, Disney wants you for something. I was like, for what? And they're like, for <laughs> right. this thing, Wreck-It Ralph. And I'm like, okay, what, what am, what am I doing? And they're like, so you're doing Sonic. I'm like, no, something's wrong. Right. And I was like, no, I don't think that, you know, it didn't show up. And they're like, yeah, we, 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 we wanted Sonic the Hedgehog. And they're like, you got to use our guy. And it was like, yeah, all right. So really? So, so okay. Cause, I, Cause that was going to be my question on the meta side. Was it a, them hitting you up and you needing permission? But so they wanted Sonic and Sega was like, Rogers. I the- would imagine it was a licensing thing. I mean, mm-hmm. that, I think that's how that works. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, I'm a brilliant voice actor, and they were <laughs> lucky to have me, regardless. <laughs> and it's just pure luck that the licensing. No, I actually think that it, that um, with most of those characters, I think that they they mandate that if it, you know, because when you think about something like you know Disney doing a, a Wreck It Ralph uh-huh. with all those different mm-hmm. video game characters, I right. think if, they, if they're going to say we're going to use your guys or gals, we want to have. You know the characters beyond. They did because they had Kyle Bear as mm-hmm. Ryu. That, that's mm-hmm. what I was gonna go to now. Is it seems like you're in Sega's you're in Sega's wheelhouse now. They're like you're you're Sonic. Happy. You're, you're Sonic. Yeah, I mean for until I'm not. Once they see you take a selfie with Mario. Yeah, there you go. You know. It's like oh, he's doing a Twitch channel and he's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's you're out. He's as the character. We don't allow that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, but yeah, that was pretty much the uh, the games. And then you know. The first Sonic series that we referenced with Jaleel White was the height of like 90s game yeah. fever when we had your Super Mario movies, yeah. when you had the Super Mario TV show. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Right. They were like, this, you, you need a TV show because games are popping right now. Yeah. But then after that, you got, I think there was the Sonic anime uh, series yeah, before Sonic you. Sonic X. Yeah, Sonic X. Yes, I remember Sonic X because Sonic X was one of those shows that were 
I was a little too old for it at the time. It came out 2004, 2005, yep. which means I was a junior uh, in high school. That's adorable. And I was like, <laughs> I know that. <laughs> you you're know like, how old you're you like, were. You're like, 1994. I'm like, you're in graduated high yeah, school. Yeah. <laughs> but, they had video games back then? Oh, yeah. I was in it, though. I was like, look, I don't care what people say. I love Sonic. <laughs> a Sonic anime. Let's go. That's cool. <laughs> but then, then we got the Sonic series that... That everyone's talking about. Did I skip? Was it Sonic X then Sonic Boom? I'm not crazy. No, no, no. Uh, so, no, yeah, I know. Yeah, I was, then Sonic Boom. I was under my fourth wife, I think, at the time <laughs> that uh, Sonic <laughs> X was coming out. So, you know. Yeah, 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 using that. Oh, that's funny, too. I'm trying to look up Sonic Boom while we talk about it. Yep. And, of course, I got videos of fighter jets. Oh, oh, how funny, Sonic <laughs> Boom. Sonic yeah. Boom. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sonic Boom cartoon, that yeah. might be a little better. Yeah. But we're So we're going to get into Sonic Boom right after these messages. Smooth. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right. Sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. 
Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. All right. Welcome back. Still sitting here with Aaron Powell and my man Ed Greer holding it down. This has been a fun one. We've been it's been like a open conversation dropping yeah. facts instead of going, you know, in the normal order. But that's what happens when, you know, when we're tapping in. It feels like instead of an episode where we're following along with an expert, we have three passionate experts. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, sorry I if you can't follow, follow along. Very... If this one's a little harder for you to follow along, I implore you to tweet us we will keep the conversation going online please do but i feel like we're doing a good job of like weaving in the top and bottom but you know one thing we didn't touch on and i did say we were going to talk about playing with emotions is how people reacted to miles and and once again this was another thing that we were all so luckily able to experience live and direct and it was funny when you know while like stanley gave it the okay thumbs up and people like us really loved it you had those fans out there that do what they do anytime any diversity initiative launches a diverse character or switches up or retcons and adds something you had people complaining that you know this is just a move for for political correctness and and you know you're just trying to check uh pc and you know there's many takes that people have many responses and mine's is always yep so what yeah okay yeah that's cool Like you say it like it's a bad thing. We want to be represented. So it's like yelling at a dude in a Tesla, like you just trying to save the environment. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. The one, the one thing that I always balk at and, and on that regard is when they go, okay, you're just doing this for diversity. You're just doing this for whatever reason. Well, everything is just for some reason. Everything is just for some agenda. Yeah. And up, up until very recently, the agenda has been, I don't want to call it, white supremacy but let's call it white a-okay right <laughs> you know what i mean it's I like, like hey to, I a-okay like, i like to call it that the 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 one rule that most waves of business go by is called i'm white and i say so that's usually <laughs> that's usually the reason for a lot of things and then when we when we get something like it's a comic book character it's a fictional character and he had his <laughs> you know? own separate but equal universe for a long time right. what more do you want yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, they eased you into it. He didn't show up with your mom talking no. about, well, I'm your new daddy. Yeah. <laughs> they eased him in. Well, here's the funny thing about it. And here's my like less cynical way of doing it. Because I try, you know, as I get deeper in the nerd space and as we become mm-hmm. more talking points, I try and like take a little bit of Schnepp energy because, you know, mm-hmm. rest in peace, John Schnepp. He yeah. always, like, one thing I want to take from him is just his ability to kind of like try and like, ease you into it and not be the DMX of nerddom, which I am usually want to do. Yeah. And the way I look at it is it honestly, if we're not being just straight up cynical and we're just being facts for facts before a certain time, media was made for white people. Yep. You, the, you knew you were creating it for a majority white person. You knew that the only people who needed to relate to it is white people. But what we all know now, especially as all of us are creators. We, mm-hmm. we are writers. Mm-hmm. We are actors. We we work in this industry. So this isn't speculate. This isn't speculation. This is just facts. When you are creating art, you're trying to touch your audience. You're trying to touch your viewers, and you're going to do everything you can to make them feel included. You're going to do everything you can to look on that screen and have them go, "Oh, that can be me." Mm-hmm. And you know, 
for so long, a lot of people of color had to look at these white people on the screen and and find themselves in them. Right. And in the end, we made it work. And now we're getting to a place where you're getting a lot of creatives who are like, let's switch it up. Let's, you know, create this character who, you know, black kids can look up to and go like, that's me. Well, but, it's, a, it's the old quote about how equality seems like oppression when yeah. you haven't, you know, yeah. you know and, and I think that that when they see they don't realize what it was like for me as a little kid to be like looking up to Thor Thor don't look like nobody that's been in my family history no. for 150 uh-huh. years. And I got to see myself in this Norse dude with a belt made of right. cowhide and all this jazz. But you can't see yourself in a Brooklyn teenager when you probably was right. a teen in Brooklyn. Half these people who are balking at Miles lived Miles' life and yeah. say they can't see themselves yeah. in him because of his skin. And I think that's a, that's that's a weird situation. But like you said, snap energy. I feel as though it's also the fact that it's belying that jazz about there is no audience for this. When I, I've gone into several comic book stores and seen people unbitten, like sometimes I've walked into several comic book stores and had a diversity in comics uh, conversation pop up as I walked in the store. I don't know what that's about. And all of a sudden it's time to talk about diversity in comics and how whack it is. And I'm just uh, it, people. The One of the main talking points they say is black people and women and, and lesbians or whatever you want to connect with and Latinos, they don't really read comics. That's so That's untrue. That's so false. That's so it's untrue. So false. And I would just lo- love for that. That is also part of it. It is a business. There is a business reason behind right. a lot of this diversity, and it is to sell to people who are buying comics that do not happen to look like regular Peter Parker. Yeah, and lots of times it's just dated information and that you just kept using. Like the example that a black-led you know movie can't do well overseas, and then which is totally we're so false. surprised that Black Panther is this smash hit right. that is doing well. well look at fast and the furious which is a black led movie like get, get whatever you think out of your mind almost all of those actors in that movie if they're not latinx people they're black the yeah. rock is black i'm yeah. sorry people it's hard for people to forget but look up his daddy look up, yeah, look, his, his name is Dwayne johnson that's very true d wayne johnson okay his name is Dwayne Johnson. He yeah. is like no matter how much they've tried to poke up his. I, I don't think he's ever played a black person explicitly on film. Mm. But The Rock is a black dude. He was yeah. in a faction called the Nation of Domination, based yeah. on the Nation of Islam. <laughs> well, he, he's doing the new. Uh, he's doing the new Schwarzenegger, where it's like this fool's name is John Matrix, and he got this thick German accent, yeah. but he got all the clearances with the Delta Force. Right. Oh, well. Oh, yeah. well. What <laughs> they do that with Dwayne right now. They so did they that with uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme in Street Fighter, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I brought it up. And <laughs> yeah, then I, I know, I remember and, that. Yeah, yeah, and I called him Russian, even though he that. is He's not. the muscles but, from Brussels. Yep. <laughs> But so when when Miles some of the some of the reactions to him yes there were some people who definitely balked at him oh yeah and yeah. there were also the people let's kind of talk about some of the people who are just like well why can't he just have his own thing oh let's yeah you know what I mean because there are some people like that yeah they're the, yeah and they and they really try try and make that strong argument of like yeah if he had his own thing that'd be better than just rebranding xyz and really it's coming from the same place i think you know i think there is a corner of people who like it is driven by racism but i think there is another corner of people who just don't like change i think it could Mm. even if it was like you know 
uh, Rami Schwartz, and it was mm-hmm. like just this new Jewish kid who was Spy- Spider-Man. Right. People would be just as mad, and it was just because they're like, you're changing the thing that I like, and yeah. for some reason I'm forgetting that I always have every future iteration of the thing. And right. what's funny is like people being mad about Miles Morales, they were actually doing that thing that people try and say, whereas like we are creating this own thing, but yeah. now it's a problem. Now it's a problem, because yeah. like they weren't saying could they create their own thing with the eight kid flashes we've had no yeah. one's no one's saying that you know but but we get a black kid flash now it's a problem why yeah. can't he have his own thing okay yeah a black dude running fast kind of racist but you know <laughs> uh his name is wally which is an old black man's name but you know well i mean are you happy with the first one that second one feel like a reach <laughs> well, <laughs> wally wally wanted them old black well, well, is it? Well, I, I think is. wallace wallace okay yeah. wallace is wally <laughs> will willis west anyway uh the, the, the thing i was thinking about also is uh given these legacy characters personally i think i am one of the few fans that i love the fact that he's spider-man i love the fact that he has spider powers mm-hmm. but he's more than spider-man as well it's almost like yeah. he's in a situation where um cassandra kane batgirl was in for yeah. a long time cassandra kane as batgirl was for my generation the best batgirl ever it she was, was the all kind best. Of ass. and she she could do so many things that barbara gordon could not do as a, as a, as because she was different, and she didn't full, full, speak. Full, yeah, full stop. She was different. Yeah. She had a bunch of different stuff. And Miles has so many different things. I would love to see him become a character, kind of like the Scarlet Spider or the Nightwing situation or something mm-hmm. like that. If they did that organically, I would not think that that was capitulating to racism or whatever. Yeah. I would just think that was like because if he's not right. going to be the Spider Man of a universe. This whole two Spider-Man jazz does weird me out. <laughs> it does. It, it kind of does. And, and what are you trying to do? It's like is, it'd be like if there was a, a Daredevil that fought in this three three acre section of Kel's Kitchen, and then a Daredevil that was chilling in Manhattan and had better suits and better clothes and stuff. That's kind of how they did it for a minute. Yeah. And now Spider-Man's a poor bum again. They made him lose his company mm-hmm. to ground him a little bit. It's almost like people forget that what they love about Spider-Man is their own youth. Yeah, their own youth. They right. were sitting on the bed at fourteen, and they was reading about this white Spider Man going through his troubles, eating his wheat cakes, and that was their dude. Wheat that they, cakes. you know what I'm saying? And uh, we, of course, since you brought it up, we're gonna stop and talk about Kwong's toy collection because you know everyone has a collection in mind when you think of someone's toy collection. But let me tell you my experience of witnessing the glory that is Kwong's toy collection. I was at. Well, who's was it? Was, was it a Christ- birthday? A Christmas, oh, Christmas party? party. No, it was the Christmas party. It was which the yesterday's Christmas y'all party. Y'all yeah. have the best Christmas party, <laughs> and I am waiting for my invite for this oh, year. Yeah. It's coming. Uh, oh man, it's and that secret Santa. I got sniped. Uh, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> don't think I'm not still mad about that. What oh, did you have in your hands? Oh, it was the. Um, it was so good. It was the Mickey Mouse uh, toaster. <laughs> <laughs> where, and, where it scores Mickey Mouse. Yeah, the and toast. I was like, oh, this is dope. It's going to be for Naomi. Right. She's good. Yeah. And someone, and we, so just to, uh, so people understand what we're talking about, we're doing Secret Santa in the sense where everyone brings a gift. It's in the pile. It's like a white elephant. White thing. elephant, yeah. yeah. But it's good gift. But yeah. yeah, it gets pretty, pretty vicious. Yeah. So everyone can swap two times. So you and if you and and everyone can only get stolen from two times. So if after you get stolen from the second time, you're safe. So stolen from once, 
It was like the last round, too, and I was like, I think I'm good. I had this Mickey Mouse toaster. And then, nope, I someone stole and gave me this creepy doll that's a light. And, you know, it's a cool doll, but also very creepy. Yeah, it comes with a ghost, too, yeah. so yeah, yeah. No, no fun. Actually, no, someone stole the ghost from me because yeah. that was – because I, I think that was my first thing, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Don't want this. And someone was like, oh, no, this is my bag. Um, yeah, everything's but, creepy, the doll light. Yeah. But so we go, um, and uh, I think it was Kwong who was like, you want to see my toy collection there? And we were like, yeah. That's kind of creepy. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but I was I was game after the ghost doll. I'm like, let's go. Let's see this. Uh, and we go to like your basement, and l- you turn on a light, and it was the most toys I've seen in one place. And this is someone who's been to Meltdown, uh, rest in peace. Uh, and so, like, it was just so many and i was like oh this is what i need in life i wish i can have this many dope toys you know i was really lucky that my mom just really didn't throw anything away (laughs) um and and in all honesty i've gone through like a lot of different times of collecting i've i I i've been collecting like designer vinyl toys for a very long time and i actually weirdly went through a phase of where i got so over it when you know um eBay sort of took hold mm-hmm. of of it and like the prices just went out of control. Uh, you know, and and so I, I actually stepped away from the hobby for a long time and then I took a trip to Japan and then there's a store kit called a uh, Mandrake out there, which is, you know, there there's like it's a chain, there's a few. Yeah, there's there. a chain. Yeah, there's a chain of them. There's a you know, but the one that I was first introduced to is basically like an eight-story mall. <laughs> Where each floor is like a different like era of toy, wow. Um, and and sh- the shelves are just packed, and you can only fit like one person through at a time through the aisles. And the prices at the time um were very um good, and I I basically was just like I'm back in. <laughs> yeah, you're like this is what, yeah, yeah I'm thinking I'm back. <laughs> yeah, 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 and well you know I. I never asked this because you just kind of started doing it. But, I mean, you're an artist, so you've always been around the, the toy culture. But when was the moment you were like, I'm jumping in this. Uh, I'm going to make a toy. Rocom needs a toy out. It's it's honestly um, being friends with Kwong. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we've we skipped this, but Kwong and I um, – we started this thing with our friend DJ. Oh uh, yeah, that's, yeah. Let's talk about in, that. In, we in did an enamel pin that. company called Yesterdays, and mm-hmm. so you know, started four years ago, and uh, slowly we became the official pin makers for the band The Misfits, for the Walking Dead comics, for Saga, a bunch of bunch of comic books, and so it takes us to all these comic book conventions. Um, but aside from us hanging out all the time for through through that company, um, Kwong and our friend Justin Justin Ishmael. Um, he, he makes really great licensed toys. Um, he's worked with famous monsters magazine. He's working on a Billy Bob toy right now, which is from showbiz pizza. Oh wow. It's like Rock that fire explosion. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I, also the deadly yeah. spawn. Yeah. And so, and so they're always painting and working on toys and I'm sitting here, a dude, that's supposed to be the artist and I don't have my toy. And so I'm like, where's my toy? Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh. Uh, Jet Jaguar had been a huge thing in my collection, so I wanted to kind of create that thing where um, here's here's my addition to that, you know, because um, I think even if you look at Funmaker Mike from Funco, he was looking for a Billy Bob bobblehead. Uh, uh, oh, not Billy Bob, uh, Bob's Big Boy bobblehead. 
And um, he was on eBay looking at it, and it was just so expensive. He's like, for these prices, I'm going to make one. <laughs> and so he went to, to Bob's Big Boy, and he he got his first bobblehead done. And so for me, looking for Jet Jaguar toys all the time, I'm like, I'm going to make my evil version. Yeah. And like, I can have all of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's so dope. There's so many dope variants, too, because there's the Doom one that we talked about that only I got. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Dude, people they- pe- keep asking Kwong, too. They're like, yo, like, can you do another one? I was like, we can't do If You're Wrong like that. <laughs> He's got the one off. Look, look, you know I would never be mad at y'all, but don't do that. <laughs> yeah, and um, so we're, we are running low on time, but I just want to, I guess we'll TR, uh, TLDR, kind of just some of the basics, uh, some of the quick questions we have. Because there are some things that, you know, knowing y'all and talking to y'all about toy, uh, you know, culture, that there's like all these like different things without like quote-unquote spilling tea or anything but just like you know honor things that i thought was kind of cool like so uh i'm gonna let you guide that one so i don't like you know say too much <laughs> so you just mean it in collecting and uh for collecting, custom, everything customs, we do, yeah yeah basically right on um uh as a, as a maker i think uh there's there's always that thing between you know when i was getting my toy made the number one question was like where's it being made yeah. Is it Japanese? Is it Chinese? You know, like, because some collectors are very particular in that stuff and that they kind of hate on different things. And what's funny is they don't understand that collectors in Japan don't care. If your toy is dope, it's dope. And they yeah. want in their collection. And so there's little things like that are interesting, but it's slowly washing away. It's definitely an old school mentality. Well, that's so funny because I feel like that happens to a lot of like westernized fandoms because I feel yep. like it's the same way with uh, with the anime question, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's it's actually something that's being addressed with a lot of people that it is it is a Western thing. Yeah. That it that they definitely see like, hey, like in Japan, they're like, oh, I don't care. It's yeah. Cool. You know, right. I think that the. The word Safubi was for a long time exclusively used as like high end Japanese kind of thing. And then the people in Japan are like, no, it's all called Safubi. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's all soft vinyl. It's legitimately just soft vinyl. Oh, wow. Just so. like anime is literally animation. <laughs> and yeah. people are like, no, it has to be in Japan and it has to look <laughs> right, like right. full metal aquamus. Uh, yeah, that's so crazy. Uh, so, I, I, how is it? Um, so we talked about kind of like the as creation a maker, of a yeah, toy. As, as a painter. Yeah, as I a think. painter, how is, how is it for you, Kwong, when you, like, what, obviously I think the, the answer to this is going to be like things that look cool to me, but like, how do you decide like, oh, that's a toy that I want to paint? And how do you kind of come up with the design? It comes with textures and a lot of it, you get really high. And I, <laughs> I, I, I mean that because of the, there's like a lot of chemicals involved. Yeah. And so you got to be really careful. Um, there's toxic pain. Yeah. That you have to wear gloves. There's like, you know, have to wear a respirator, you know, it's, it's not, I wouldn't call it dangerous, Mm -hmm. but there is a lot of chemicals involved. And that's something that like, as a toy painter, you have to know because there is a responsibility to your customers and the paint that I use specifically, it's designed for toys, final toys, it chemically bonds. Um, and that's why when you, you know, You'll take your your Marvel Legends action figure and you'll paint on it with acrylics and it'll just rub off. Yeah. Well, part of the, that chemical mixture is, is making sure there's the right amount of thinner and everything that goes along with it, so that it it's just adhering correctly to the figure. Um, and and if you don't, you know, you can spray. You know, I've had guys that will paint figures with acrylics and they're like, oh, I clear coat them all, but your figures end up like sticky. 
you know, and, and like things like that, um, that, you know, for anybody that buys one of my toys, I like, you know, and, and Rocom has definitely seen me like, like really like toil over this kind of thing where I'm like, oh man, it's not right. Like I, I need another day to make this perfect because somebody's going to go home with this and this is my reputation. Um, right. And, you can't have them paying like $300, take this thing home yeah, and then the paint's flaking off of it, you know? Yeah. Right. And so that's something I, I take very seriously. And so when it comes to like color combinations and and various things when it comes to the toys, I'll, I'll I'll just look at something and see how it's textured, what it vibes with. There's a lot of like painting something that looks like something else, like your Death Jaguar painted to look like Doom because I looked at it and it you know it has like this vibe of like the Iron Mask, you know, um, you know, with the robot face and everything else. And and Doom is a character that I like. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Jack Kirby fan. Um, and that's a, that's another thing people like nerd out when they come over is I have like a Jack Kirby original, oh, yeah. um, and so you know I always try to pay homage to those guys, you know, to things that I love, and and I think when people look at some of my custom work, they they kind of get like if they would like me as a person, you know, like I, like I try to put a little bit of that in my work to where they might be able to get my personality a little bit more, or they're like oh yeah he he obviously really likes like John Carpenter movies or th- things like that, like. You know, certain references. Yeah. That's so awesome. Wow. Those were great. Look, I'm going to keep it real with you. I don't know what that sound like. <laughs> we record this before we could put the clips together. But, you know, I wanted you to feel like I was right there with you. What if it was all of the moments that we, like, messed up the most? <laughs> I know. No, I trust. I trust. I know that, this, that those were all of our greatest hits. <laughs> our greatest hits. And we will be back next week with an all-new Nerdificent. So stay nerdy. Stay nerdy. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.